2: from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace.
1: Sandy Rios with you. That was a video recorded by President Donald Trump on January the 6th, about 2, 2 2.30 in the afternoon, posted on Twitter and taken down five minutes later. And the reason I play that is because, as you know, yesterday uh, Twitter's board uh, finally accepted Elon Musk's bid, $44 billion bid to buy Twitter. It's successful. It's gone through. Uh, And so just to give you perspective, on what this means to you and to me, Uh, because Twitter um, removed that. We have a committee now looking into President Trump's, you know, silence on that day, and why didn't he say anything, and he's responsible then for the so-called quote-unquote insurrection at the White House because he at the Capitol because he didn't say anything, but he did, just that Twitter took it down, and no one reported about this. There was some talk about it, some of us knew about it, but for the most part— uh, the millions of people who go on Twitter knew nothing, and the people in the Capitol, if they happened to look at their phones, didn't see it. So uh, what else did Twitter do? Well, Twitter famously took down any uh, reference to Hunter Biden's laptop, which was discovered just a, few, just a few weeks, maybe a month before the election of 2020, uh, and censored New York Post, took them off of Twitter, uh, so that no one could read anything about Hunter Biden's laptop, which implicated Uh, President Trump's opponent, Joe Biden, uh, and scandalous deals with our enemies and, uh, we believe, illegal transactions with foreign powers, enriching himself and his family. You didn't know about that, you see, so you went to the polls and many people did vote for Joe Biden, although I still maintain that Joe Biden didn't win that election. Nevertheless, Twitter paid, played a big role in that, and so this is a very big deal. You might want to know who Elon Musk is, and I can't tell you in, in a brief a period of time. I don't even know. I can't. It's hard to comprehend a man with a brain like his. But on this issue, he's right. I want you to hear what he says when asked why he wanted to buy Twitter. This is clip six.
5: Why, why, why make that
4: offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be... An inclusive arena for free speech. My, my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and, 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 inc- and, and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all.
1: I don't care about the economics at all. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? All right, so that's just a little uh, bit of the words of Elon Musk after on uh, his reasons for buying this. Well, no one uh, could join us who would know any more about this and has more of a vested interest than Dan Gaynor. Uh, Dan is the—excuse uh, me, I'm choking this morning. He's the vice president of Free Speech at America and Business, and, by the way, is a key person in forming the Free Speech Alliance, which we are part of at American Family Association, and we've been trying to talk with these big tech companies for the last few years without much success. So Dan joins us this morning because I'm anxious to get his response. Dan, good morning, and thanks for joining us.
3: Good morning, and
1: I'm going to say this. It is a good morning. It is.
3: (laughs) I mean, not that they aren't all, but this is particularly a good one. Because, you know, if you had told me a month ago that, a random billionaire <laughs> was going to uh interfere in the left uh hegemony of social media you know to to break the cartel of all these social media companies and take the singularly most influential social media site and work to return it to what it used to be which is a, a land for freedom and free speech I would have laughed at you. I, it just, you know, it's so, it, this is such a sea change. And so if, for people listening, because I'm sure many people, maybe most people listening, aren't active on Twitter. So here's why it matters. Twitter has got only a couple hundred million daily users. But that couple hundred million is made up of journalists, activists, politicians, and celebrities. That They're the key people who kind of the, the, the agrees to keep the, the whole system moving. And so every major issue, every major debate in our country gets debated on Twitter, and that affects the narrative. Well, through a combination of canceling and censoring conservatives and then allowing uh, leftist uh, automated accounts, to dominate conversations, the left controls the narrative in our country more so and, than it ever did before.
1: You know, Dan, it reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, the quaint time when New York Times used to be like the script that all the news outlets followed. It's what everybody looked to every morning, whether it was ABC, CBS, NBC, any, any of them uh, looked to that for what news to cover and how to think about things. And so uh, the times have changed, and I think that's probably a good way of explaining why not everyone uh thirty years ago read The New York Times, but they watched the the evening news and saw the news outlets, and they got their source from the New York Times. that was kind of the template and so well, um, and so
3: to along those lines because that's a wonderful point when when journalist Barry Weiss left the New York Times after this controversy over over an op ed by a US senator Tom Cotton. Uh when she left, she wrote a skewering uh analysis of the Times, but she said that Twitter was the ultimate editor of the New York Times.
5: You know, it oh,
3: what what happened on Twitter would would des- decide what happened in New York Times. And not just for the Times, but really for the entire legacy media establishment. And that is why it matters. At the New York Times point, that's just such a great point.
1: You know, Dan, I remember we, uh, in the Free Speech Alliance, we met with executives from Google, executives from Facebook. I can't remember meeting with Twitter people. Did we meet with Twitter people?
3: Executives? One of of my coworkers, Christian Roby and I, he and I met um, through – uh, Ginny Thomas's group, with with some uh, with a couple, at the time they were more lower level people. One of them has since been promoted to a, a more major conversation, but they were the ostensible conservatives, and it, you know it was sort of good cop, bad cop, and the good cop hated us. <laughs> so yeah, <bro. laughs> so um, this is you know, and, and so this goes to the the heart of the problem. I got a piece that's going to be appearing on Fox this morning about questions for Elon Musk going forward and the heart of the problem here is his organization is riddled with people who hate us huh. and so that is going to be part of the part of what he's going to have to deal with
1: you know one thing i remember distinctly dan is especially in meetings with google executives i remember us talking about censorship and of course they claimed they didn't do that it was just the algorithms it was random and basically, I remember the suggestion, I think I made the suggestion, that why couldn't Google, Google, which is an American-based company, follow the First Amendment? We are, after all, an American company. Why couldn't you follow the free speech, just simply let people say, uh, except for, you know, threatening death threats, you know, pornography, why can't you let people just say what they think? And I think it's pretty interesting that this is the nut of the issue here, that Elon Musk sees very clearly. Uh, and he's de- devoted, you know, to allowing free speech. And he said he doesn't care about the money, which is pretty amazing, isn't it, Dan? I, mean, this is, yeah, I guess I, he doesn't I, need mean any money, but what? But,
3: but I mean, still, everybody, everybody cares about money. And we, you know, even, even if you are the richest man in the world, when you are devoting one-fifth of everything that you own to try to control other, you know, the situation so other people have free speech, that's pretty important. And it's also interesting because people don't realize the Free Speech Alliance has close to a hundred members, conservative organizations around the world. And it was one of those organizations getting shut down by Twitter that appears to have been the straw that broke the camel's back. And that was the Babylon Bee. Uh, yes, According that's to reports, right. Musk reached out to the Babylon Bee. Babylon B, which is genuinely the funniest thing on the on the internet, consistently. <laughs> uh because because humor has to actually make fun of the status quo and the Babylon Bee does and so when they can't, when that happened he actually according to reports reached out to them to confirm it next thing you know he's trying to buy twitter it was just one thing too many they the the i've said for many years that the the only hope the right has is the left that the left <laughs> always goes too far well that's the so
1: truth it, it really know, yeah, that's like, they you did. don't have.
3: You can't count on politicians in D.C. You can ca- maybe you can count on the liberals, though.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this unexpected Elon Musk, who doesn't follow in follow in any simple category, which is really amazing. Uh, but do you think there's any reason uh, to be concerned about what do you see in Elon Musk's uh, past or his practices that should give us any point of concern about this? Because he will be you know, the sole proprietor, he'll, he'll have a board, but, you know, what he says will go. Uh, do we, is there any reason to be concerned? Any, any warning well, signs I mean, I think to think There's you?
3: always reason to be concerned for anyone. I mean, you know, the, the most obvious thing is simply he's, he's not a social conservative. He's more of a libertarian. So, you know, people who uh, are social conservatives, uh, you know, he's not on our team necessarily, but as long as he doesn't silence our team, that's a plus. Um, uh, he he's got some business in china and i i would say at least one of the businesses he does i'm creeped out by and that's the um the neuralink the one where they're trying to you know connect connect people um through to computers through their brains uh-huh. uh, you know it's not something i'm comfortable with but mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he he tries to look he's an interesting guy because one of the things he tries to do is look at the future and see the art of what is possible, and this is why he's, you know, focused on Mars. It used to be there was a time in America where we referred to things that were wildly difficult as moonshots. <laughs> well, we've done the moon. Elon Musk is thinking about Mars shots, and that's, and that's that's who he is. So I mean, and also it's important to remember, Elon Musk is a user of Twitter. He sees the world not as an outsider, as some sort of ivory tower guy, you know, sitting in his college who tweets twice a year. Elon Musk uses Twitter the way it used to be used in 2014, which is you make jokes, you say funny things, you troll people. He trolled Bill Gates the other day.
1: And <laughs> I mean, like
3: two days, two days before he's buying Twitter, he posted an image of Bill Gates um, <laughs> You know, a chunky image of Bill Gates that uh, you all can find it wearing a blue shirt. And then he posts the new pregnant man emoji next to it. And, you know, Gates gets much criticized in sort of the Joe Rogan universe. Uh, you know, the Joe Rogan universe is people who are generally more physically fit than I am and, you know, young <laughs> MMA fans and things like that. Rogan's certainly an MMA guy. And they make a lot of fun of Bill Gates because Bill Gates, you know, he he does not have the perfect masculine figure. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes. Okay, so that's why Elon Musk has used Twitter to do that. I might get after, into that after you, after we say goodbye, because it's kind of funny. But, uh, Dan, I'm wondering. I have not been able to think through this. So we have Facebook who's censoring left and right. Uh, we have a Google, which is, a, you know, it's a, the search engine, which is censoring left and right. I know there's a development now of a, of a rival to Google, but that's beside the point. In the short term, what effect do you think this is going to have on those on those uh, social media sites and the web and the search well, the, engine?
3: Well, I mean, the biggest thing certainly is these sites have operated in concert for several years now mm-hmm. uh, when they shut down Donald Trump 10 big tech sites shut down Donald Trump not one 10 Twitter led the way if Twitter were to allow Donald Trump back on that puts pressure on the others to either not censor as much or even roll back some of their their censorship remember we're heading into a presidential election Donald you know so so what Twitter and what Elon Musk are doing impacts the presidential election that's how important social media is
1: Boy, that's I know uh, absolutely. I that's exactly where my mind went to too, because this changes the dynamic of the 2022 election and the 2024 election, uh, because what people maybe have heard but just didn't realize how censored, not just Donald Trump but conservative candidates all over the country were not allowed to buy ads on Facebook. Uh, we're not allowed to to tweet conservative thought or their platforms. They were censored. And uh, don't think that doesn't you know in a local area. How are people going to get their message out if not through social media? Because yeah, we did a tally
3: of congressional censorship, just congressional censorship alone, and we found fifty-four to one Republicans over Democrats. And the one Democrat that got censored, uh, Facebook apologized to her like two hours later and reinstated her. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we've got uh, social media companies shutting down uh, accounts and live streams
1: for public events because they don't like what's being discussed. At them. Yes, exactly. Even that. And what, before we run out of time, you guys just published a report where you found that big tech, and I guess that's the whole, the big tent of tech, uh, censored Biden criticism more than 600 times over two years. Can you just say a word about that before we say goodbye this morning? Oh, yeah,
3: sure. It, it was basically a couple of big categories. The obvious one is Hunter Biden, which they, they shut down. Prior to the election, uh, but the biggest category was creepy Joe Biden, and that is look we've all seen pictures of Biden uh, being overly friendly with young women, often young girls. Here's a guy who's been credibly accused of sexual assault. Uh, we don't; he hasn't been convicted of anything, but he you has know, certainly been accused by Tara Reid. And so, oh, someone posted on Facebook a picture of Biden. Kissing his granddaughter, I think it was uh, a couple of different pictures, uh, kissing her on the lips. And someone posted, uh, find someone who loves you the way Joe Biden loves his granddaughter. And oh. they got censored for it.
1: Now, that, you know, that's insane. Well, and there were jokes and memes and all of that. And, of course, it all went yep. one way. And,
3: and tons of prominent people. Ted Cruz and Babylon B and you go down the line to the Free Beacon and the Federalist and uh, you know Don Jr. and Donald Trump and uh, you know you cannot have a free nation in this era if big tech doesn't want you to.
1: Except that was yesterday. <laughs> this is today. Today exactly. it's different. Today is different. Well, I so, so it's oh, but... working
3: on being different because he hasn't. He's not in control yet he's in the process so like i said it's a it's a work in progress but we're definitely heading there there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a bullet train coming right at you
1: Yeah. all right so just to be clear dan because i was gonna you i think you just answered my question that i didn't ask yet and that is it, it isn't a final deal in terms of going on twitter today making sure that you're not going to be censored you have no assurance of that uh and if you've been kicked off you have no assurance that you can get back on yet right
3: Right. The shareholders still have to vote on it. Theoretically, they could overturn it. Um, it, it doesn't usually happen. So I would say okay. it's going to happen, but it, it's going to take a couple months yet.
1: Okay. Oh, But but this is a day to celebrate. It really is. And Dan, for all of your hard work on this and the Free Speech Alliance, congratulations. I think we've had a major, major victory. And um, I'm just very happy about that. Dan Gaynor, Media Research Center, by the way, look for his article this morning on Fox, questions for Elon Musk. Uh, we'll have to... We'll, we will refer them to that. We'll put that on Getter. While Getter's is free, we're still using that. Dan, thanks a lot. I appreciate you joining us. Talk soon. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk.
4: This is Pause to Pray,
1: a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life. And pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Janet Coit, Assistant Administrator for Fisheries at the NOAA. Her office is responsible for the stewardship of the nation's ocean resources and their habitat. Genesis 1 reminds us that God created the sea and all creatures above and below. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray. Pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Janet Coyt as she leads the NOAA fisheries. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the presidential prayer team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org.
4: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust, that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University. And now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of Training Champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. There's been a lot of controversy over the Walt Disney Company. Executives don't believe parents should have a say in their child's education. They also believe four-year-olds should be exposed to sex education lessons. But now they've gone even further. Disney says they plan to infuse all of their programming with LGBT narratives and their mission is far from covert. Disney owns ABC Television. They spew this nonsense into your home 24 hours a day. Recently, Good Morning America broadcast a live drag show performance featuring a young boy in makeup and a dress. The child gyrated on the floor as grown adults cheered. This did not happen in a seedy nightclub. It happened on national television. In the old days, the Predators drove around in white vans, but nowadays they wear mouse ears. Be sure to get a copy of my latest book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, available at toddstarns.com.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, well, we were talking about Elon Musk trolling Bill Gates as the pregnant man. And actually, I want to tell you about this because it's kind of funny. Uh, Bill Gates, according to back-and-forth tweets, doesn't that—I'll never get over the unserious name that they gave Twitter. (laughs) They were tweeting. Bill Gates and Elon Musk were tweeting, and in their tweets—try to say that like a news anchor— anyway, in their tweets, it looks as though Bill Gates wanted to meet with Elon Musk uh, about environmentalism. The environment is so important, maybe about his fake beef. I'm not sure what— and so he asked for a meeting, and uh, get, uh, Elon Musk agreed to it. And then he found out that Bill Gates had bought uh, lots of shares of um, Tesla. And uh, this is um, – hang on. i got to find the right language here because I don't know the market. I, I don't have that language. It's, he shorted. He was going to short the Tesla market. He bought tons of shares. And so Bill Gates found out about that, and he said, do you still have half a billion dollars short – Position against Tesla, and Gates answered, "Sorry to say, I haven't closed it out." So that means that's like that's he's trying to hurt the company by doing that, just to to make sure that you understand that. So (laughs) Musk decided he didn't have time to meet with Bill Gates about philanthropic philanthropic uh, propositions on the environment, and then it went on. (laughs) Then that's when uh, uh, Elon Musk tweeted a picture of Bill Gates looking very heavy. Well, he's gotten plump. He's got a tummy on him. And uh, next to it they put the new pregnant man emoji that Apple has made available. And Rogan said this um, sa- okay, so this is a, this is a back and forth with Rogan and with, uh, with Elon Musk. Rogan says, you look to gates. you look terrible. If you're eating those plant-based burgers or whatever you're doing, you're obese. A guy like that telling people about, he's got these, well, I can't say that word, and he's got this, I can't say that word either, stomach, and I'm like, this is crazy. You're one of the richest guys on earth. You have access to the best nutrients. You have an an amazing, you could have an amazing trainer. You could be in phenomenal shape, and you're giving out public health advice, and you're sick. Anyway, so, um, so Elon Musk joined on that, and he just, I guess, posted the emoji of the pregnant man next to the picture of Bill Gates with his tummy protruding. Okay, so that's funny. I think it's funny, and I think that's what Elon Musk wants to be able to do freely. He loves Babylon B and he wants uh, Twitter to remain a source of free speech. And I want to remind you of Elon Musk's words. We had you listen to it in the first segment, but I want to repeat it because he says, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matter, where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust. In other words, to assure people that uh, they don't have things set up and geared to shut down speech they don't like. Uh, defeating the spam bots and authenticating all humans. In other words, uh, instead of setting up this whole army, this is what happens, and I'm not sure people who people don't tweet. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you don't tweet. Um, What they do is they've set up a whole army of bots. And if you are a public figure and you step over the line or you do something or you're a company and you make a decision that doesn't please the left, they send this army of bots after you and they will say just horrific things. They will slander you. They will slime you. And that's why companies then recoil and quickly change their position. And they've gained a ton of power by this really faux army It's not really a group of real people, and so that's what he's talking about. We want to authenticate all humans, so it's just real people that are actually doing this. And then he says, Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. So that's, in his own words, what he wants to do. But back to the pregnant man emoji, I want to just say this. I want to give um, America Family Association, our association, a shout-out, because we did a press release yesterday responding to Apple because they've developed all of these new emojis. Uh, they call it the third gender image. It's the face of a neutral person wearing a crown. They've rolled, Apple has rolled out more than 100 innocuous emojis, such as new smiley faces. And uh, through this seemingly casual introduction of woke emojis, Apple joins the ranks of corporate giants, such as Disney and Netflix, in the list of companies creating a stir as they promote gender confusion through their products. And I want to uh, quote our Vice President, Ed Vitagliano, who made a statement in response to this. We can all hope that the lunacy being exhibited by corporate America in its thirst for woke approval will one day be rejected and scorned by the vast majority of people in this country. But this woke pandering is also quite sad, because there really are people who are struggling with their identity and feel lost. The answer isn't to encourage them to continue wandering aimlessly in the darkness of their delusion, because that will only prolong their suffering. The answer is the gospel and the love of God. That is the light that will help the lost find their way home and find the peace they desire. And here's the deal. That was picked up by Fox. It's on Fox uh, on Fox Digital this morning. You can find it at the Fox uh, News website. It's just great. Ed's statement was powerful and excellent. I loved it. So... I just wanted you to know that the pregnant man emoji that was uh, invoked by uh, Elon Musk against Bill Gates uh, is something that's new that uh, Apple has just released. So it's just all over. We are awash in a sea of uh, ridiculous and dangerous leftism. I want to go back to Elon Musk, though, because... um, Uh, Because a lot of other things uh, have happened swirling around that. We are hearing a lot from Barack Obama. He's formed this organization. You know, he's very wealthy now. He's got, what, $80 billion from Netflix just for one thing uh, and a ton of other. He and his wife are very, very rich now. And so he's getting involved in this whole free speech debate. So he's had a lot of things to say lately. And let's listen to a couple of them. Here is your former President Barack Obama.
0: All we see is a constant feed of content where... Useful, factual information and happy diversions and cat videos flow alongside lies, conspiracy theories, junk science, quackery, white supremacists, racist tracks, misogynist screeds. And over time, we lose our capacity to distinguish between fact, opinion and wholesale fiction.
1: He went on another statement about how de- devoted he is to free speech, <laughs> uh, but not so much. You know, this is typical of Barack Obama where he says one thing and does the opposite. That's what I always said about President Trump. Look at what he does, not what he says. Look at what Barack Obama does, not what he says. Uh, in the second little statement, little clip that we have here, he's uh, he says that this disinformation that he's so concerned about, and now especially because, you know, Elon Musk has bought Twitter, Uh, He is really concerned about this disinformation killing people. This is clip 26.
0: Essentially clinically tested the vaccine on billions of people worldwide. Around one in five Americans is still willing to put themselves at risk and put their families at risk rather than get vaccinated. People are dying because of misinformation. I already mentioned the 2020 presidential election.
1: Yeah. So people are dying because of disinformation. And I have a, I have a stat here just reaching for, hang on. Uh, there's a new stat this morning. Pfizer have, have released documents by court order that show that of the people of the adverse reactions that they actually studied. And we don't know what that sample was. There was a 3.7% death rate from the vaccines, Uh, you know, but you know what? Try to post that on Twitter. Try to post that on Facebook. Try to get that out. Maybe even send it in an email. You know, Gmail has now uh, begun to censor. Uh, Try to get that word out, because evidently Barack Obama just doesn't know, right? He just doesn't know. People are dying. Everybody's been vaccinated. We all know that's safe. And still, you know, one in four Americans are refusing. And that's because of disinformation, he tells us. And we say that the disinformation is from ignorance, lack of ignorance, and because they will not allow people to put many things that are true on Twitter and these social media outlets that would warn people. As a matter of fact, just to make this translate, that we've had 100 million people vaccinated in the United States. And at the rate that Pfizer, uh, the the death rate that they discovered on the sample that they used, that would mean, are you ready? That would mean that there have been almost 4 million deaths uh, and millions more uh, people who have life-altering injuries from the vaccine. So um, yeah, but that's disinformation, of course. So says Barack Obama, and trust me, he's going to be our nemesis on this issue of free speech. It does not uh, help him because uh, he likes to lie, and so does Joe Biden. That they traffic in that they're very good at it. All right. So um, oh, how am I? How did I get run out of time here? I must have chatted longer than I expected to. The media is melting down over you know President Trump being back on Twitter. Uh, and Elon Musk buying this. In fact, let's listen to clip. Let's listen to clip seven going out here for the break because you'll get to hear upset they are about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Let's listen to seven. Elon Musk is the new power in this at
4: the social media giant and he is foaming the runways for the return of the trolls
0: this is happening in the background of, of elon musk saying basically i want to buy twitter so i can open it up and turn it into gab and let donald trump back so there are real consequences to allowing anybody to run these internet sites and say whatever it is they want and elon musk is the fox coming into the hen house and it is shameful that twitter which has a fiduciary obligation i would think to protect people who actually use it the millions of people who actually use it the, did they ask a single woman a single woman was a single woman consulted and this is was a single person of color who just uses yes. twitter who made the mistake of using twitter and needs it for their job
1: they need it for their job so now it's racist it's racist that elon musk bought twitter and once the first amendment applied to the use of it it's racist it's also sexist I don't know. I just to, All I can say is just take delight in the frantic response of the left because there must be something good in this if they're all so freaked out. I had actually three montages to play for you, but you'll have to just be happy with one. And you can see that they are freaking out. And that's one other reason for us to be very happy. Back right after this.
2: Picture a stormy sea. The waves are rolling viciously and the sky is darker than night. The crack of thunder can be heard over the roaring wind. A tiny ship is thrown wildly up and down as it rides the waves. The crew is just about to lose hope when someone spots a sudden flash in the distance. A lighthouse.
0: Lighthouse for
5: the Lost, an article by Parker
0: May to read this article. Visit EngageMagazine.net.
5: Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family radio radio and visit us at americanpastorsnetwork.org.
2: Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. The city lies four square. Its length, width and height all equal. 1,380 miles for each dimension. The city's wall is 216 feet high. Twelve gates around the city, with each gate made of a single pearl. Streets of gold so pure, they're translucent. No need for a sun. God's glory lights the city. No tears. No pain. I wouldn't miss it for the world.
4: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
5: Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering, and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday, and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in an attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now, in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael. Didn't kill him, but he injured him but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write. So Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 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 Or give at SendBiblesNow.org. That's SendBiblesNow.org. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Last week, former President Barack Obama
4: declared that government needs to start regulating free speech on social media platforms because their content management efforts are failing to keep rhetorical, quote, raw sewage out of the public square, unquote. This week, billionaire Elon Musk bought one of the most influential of such platforms, Twitter, with the pledge to restore free speech. An apparent repudiation of what is not so much about managing content as it is the suppression of information and opinion politically intolerable to radical leftists like Obama. Time will tell whether these were coincidental developments or, for that matter, whether Mr. Musk will really enable freedom of expression on Twitter. What is clear already is that the fight for that fundamental liberty has never been more necessary and the emergence of a formidable man professing to be its champion more welcome. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy
3: Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net.
0: That's sandy at afr.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: So, how many of you have watched uh, Julie Pace on Fox News? She's been, she was on with Chris Wallace for years. Uh, She has a nice smile, but she's uh, a leftist and she works for the AP. She's actually, uh, uh, I think she's the I don't know her title, but I think she's the head of the whole operation now. She's been uh, promoted. Well, she's just written a new book called Jill, A Biography of the First Lady. Julie Pace, along with Darlene Superville. I don't know anything about Darlene, but uh, so it's just come out, Jill, A Biography of the First Lady. So the First Lady was with Piers Morgan uh, discussing uh, how she and uh, Joe Biden met, according to the book. And I wanted you to hear their interaction. Here's the story as they tell it.
5: I'm fascinated
4: by this story that he basically got his eyes on you when he saw a picture of you in an advertisement. Is this true?
1: Well, part of it is true. I had met him uh, once before, and um, but we were in a crowd and it was at a fundraiser. and um, So then I guess he saw my picture somewhere and he said, oh, now that's the kind of girl I'd like to date. And I knew his brother, so his brother mm-hmm. said, oh, I know her, because I was in college at the time with and his brother was there. and. So uh, Frank called me and, uh, or got my number, and Joe called and said, You know, this is Joe Biden, and um, would you like to go out? And. Uh,
4: Where was your first date?
1: We went to Philadelphia to the movies.
4: Do you remember
5: the film? No, I don't.
1: Yeah, so, but the book says what the film is. It's supposed to be some French story about this couple who meet after losing their spouses. The problem is the fact checkers look to see that. That movie came out, I think, in the 60s, something like that, a long time before uh, Jill and Joe Biden were supposedly to have met. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I've told you before, because I have uh, read stuff by Bill Stevenson, who is her ex-husband, that that's not the story. You know, Jill and Joe Biden on the campaign trail for years have talked about their love story, this great love story they have, how... Uh, he was a widower with these two kids. His wife died in a car accident, and she was, you know, came to his rescue and took over the care of his boys. I know you've heard that story many, many times. Bill Stevenson, her former husband, tells a very different story. Uh, rather than me jumping in, I'll let you hear at least part of it from him. This is a clip on in- from Inside Edition, Bill Stevenson.
0: So you were friends with Joe Biden? Oh, yeah. Right before the election in 72... Jill, Joe, Neil and I were in his kitchen. How do you forget that?
5: Stevenson says his first inkling something was up came when Jill refused to go with him to meet Bruce Springsteen, who was booked to appear at the Stone
0: Balloon. He said, uh, Joe, asked me to keep an eye on the boys. And I just thought to the back of my mind, hmm.
5: One day, he says a man came into his bar and asked him to pay damages for a fender bender that involved Jill.
0: He looks at me and he says, oh, she wasn't driving. I said, her beloved Corvette, she wasn't driving it. He goes, Senator Biden was driving it. And I went, what?
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot more to that story. The Daily Mail did an interview with him a long time ago. And that's where I first heard about this, that, um, that he, meaning Bill Stevens, and Jill, his wife, worked in the Joe Biden campaign and knew, of course, Joe's wife that died in the car accident, and that Jill and Joe were very much involved in an affair. Uh, and that's how they met. That's the real story. It's not the love story of her rescuing him, uh, this poor widower, with his two boys. Uh, she left her husband for Joe Biden after having an affair with him. And that's uh, that's the story. But now this book by Julie Pace is telling a very different story. And by the way, let me uh, please uh, tell you that Greg Kelly covered this last night. And I tip to him. Uh, took uh, We've used the clips that he had pulled. So I'm so appreciative of that. He's on Newsmax. Bill, uh, Greg does a great job every night. I want to commend you to that show. But... Um, and so uh, here's the deal. Uh, Joe Biden, I've told you many times, is a consummate liar. But some of you are young, and you don't you don't know that. And it's easy to say that, isn't it? We could say that about a lot of people without a lot of proof. I say that about Dick Durbin, too, because I've seen it firsthand and experienced it. With Joe Biden, uh, he's been running for president probably, I think he ran at least three times before he won, uh, allegedly won, this last in 2020. But in 1987, he was running, and he was on the campaign trail, and um he was challenged about his law school credentials. I want you to hear it, this is clip three.
3: What law school did you
0: attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, yes. could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably right. have
2: a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. So I so. went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, that have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class, and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank.
1: (laughs) All right, so bam, man, he shot him down, didn't he? Except at that time, in 1987, the press actually still was doing fact-checking. And so the press did indeed do fact-checking, and this is what they reported. These would be some maybe familiar voices to some of you who are older. Uh, This is clip four.
3: Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not
2: named Outstanding Political Science Student in college newsweek says biden actually went to school on a half scholarship ended up near the bottom of his class and won only one degree not three
3: joe biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the university of syracuse
2: law school i mean this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight now biden says newsweek is right his memory had failed him
1: Yeah, his memory had failed him then uh, he didn't mean to lie he you know he'd just forgotten that he didn't graduate, you know, the top half of his class and uh, on and on he goes. So, uh, so he had to drop out of that race. And some of you wouldn't know that. There was another time, I don't know if it was a different campaign, where he completely plagiarized long passages, I believe, of a Canadian politician and used them in his speeches. Uh, and uh, he was he was caught doing that too. Um, You know, as I've said before, in the old days— uh, there weren't cameras and video. Everybody didn't have a phone capturing every word, every nuance. And so candidates had the luxury of going, you know, to a church and saying they were, you know, all about the values. And going then down to uh, the, well, I don't know, the tavern and saying they were all about, you know, more beer. I don't know. I'm, but, I mean, they could say whatever they wanted to anywhere and nobody could uh, prove that they had uh, uh, lied or switched their position you kind of knew it intuitively but you couldn't prove it and now it's harder but back then they had a camera and they caught him in those egregious lies and he had to drop out and that reminds me of uh, something that came out this morning we often wonder who's behind the uh, curtain who is the one calling the shots for uh, Joe Biden who is who is it it's not Kamala is it is it you know Barack Obama is it i don't know Uh, Is it his chief of staff, Ron Klain? That's what some have said, which he may have appointed a a part in this. Uh, But now we know, and I I actually want to do an in-depth story on this with our friends at Capital Research Center. But uh, Fox Digital printed this this morning. It turns out, guess what? There is a group behind Joe Biden's policies working hard. They call themselves Governing for Impact. Now, Governing for Impact, for some reason, you can't find it if you Google uh, you don't see, you know, who who is on their board. You don't see what they're doing. Uh, but because they uh, advertised at Harvard for interns, who legal interns, uh, there uh, uh, that was kind of a slip-up on their part, and people found out exactly who they are. And who they are is an organization funded by George Soros and the Open Society. In fact, here's a statement uh, from Tom Perriello, who's the executive director of the Soros Open Society. Society Foundation, he says, Open Society is proud to support Governing for Impact's effort to protect American workers, consumers, patients, students, and environment through policy reform. Um, so they, okay, they have concealed their operations, uh, and in searching for this talent at Harvard Law School, uh, they, they advertised that they were they were wanted to prepare the Biden administration for, quote, transformative governance. Uh, and that they had prepared more than 60 in-depth, shovel-ready regulatory recommendations for dozens of federal agencies. Turns out, Rachel Hart Clarman is a Harvard Law School grad, and she steers the group. Her father, Michael Clarman, is a professor at Harvard Law School and also has ties to progressive advocacy groups. And he's part of the, the left-wing dark money judicial group, Take Back the Court, and um, I, you know, there's a lot more to say about that. I think just for now, uh, just know that George Soros' group, a funded group Governing for Impact has got a little think tank uh, behind the Biden administration, guiding them all along the way. And why is that important? How, how many of you know anything about George Soros? Raise your hand. Well, by now you've heard his name, but you may not know. He is a Hungarian billionaire, Hungarian-American billionaire who really doesn't— he's not welcome in his own home country. His father was— Um, a a, a Nazi Uh, but he was a Nazi who turned on the Jew he was a Jewish Nazi and he turned on his own people turned Jewish people and squealed on them and yes George Soros is Jewish and when you criticize him they say you're (laughs) anti-Semitic never mind that he and his father he actually helped his father do this Uh, George must be 150 years old by now but anyway he was old enough to help his dad when he was young uh, turn in the Jews uh, in various ways uh, during the Nazi occupation of Germany. Uh, he has uh, enriched himself in a lot of ways. I personally have seen him enrich himself through government. A lot of the leftists enrich themselves through federal for, through federal money, and George Soros has done that. Uh, worldwide, he's done that. He nearly destroyed the British economy at one point, at one decade in time here. Uh, he has the ability to do that. It's like Elon Musk buying Twitter with all the, the $44 billion that he gave these guys have so much money, they can do incredible things. And that means they can use it for good or they can use it for evil. And uh, George Soros has certainly used his for, for evil. He has uh, he hates this country. He's pushing, he's pushed open borders across the world. He's responsible in many ways for the invasion of Germany and Europe by single Muslim uh, jihadis. You may remember that flood of, uh, of uh, yeah, yeah of male jihadis just running down the villages in Germany and the rape uh, rate increasing. George Soros wants to break down all national barriers. He wants to do away with any kind of distinction in countries because he actually said at one point that he is God. I, I wish I had thought about it. I would have looked up that quote for you. Uh, But uh, this is George Soros, and um, trust me, he's uh, like not pro-life. He's not like, uh, he's uh, for the degeneration of the family, the deconstruction of all things good. He is, I don't know if he's an avowed communist, I don't know if he says that, but his views are certainly compatible with the radical left uh, communistic views of Karl Marx and uh, Engels. And so um, he's the one, you know, behind Joe Biden's uh, White House. Uh, and the policies that they're, um, they're directing towards us that are destroying the country, just so you know. And so uh, we talked yesterday, by the way, about one of those things. Got to find this. Um, we talked with uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton yesterday from Texas, <laughs> excuse me, about what's happening on the border. And uh, today this has not happened yet, but there's a federal judge who is set to block President Joe Biden's administration from ending an emergency order that has been helping officials control the U.S.-Mexico border. And that is Title 42. It's the one related to COVID, trying to keep people out of the country because they may infect people in this country. And Joe Biden is set to uh, lift that restriction on May the 23rd. But this judge uh, is, has already signals his, signaled his intent to block it. It's a U.S. District Judge Robert Summerhays. He's a Trump appointee, and he told parties during a closed status conference that he intends to grant a motion for temporary restraining order, according to the minutes of the meeting release. So you'll, excuse me, we'll be hearing more about that. Sorry, my allergies are attacking me. Okay, here's another story I wanted to tell you, because did you guys know that uh, Citizens United has produced a documentary called Rigged the Zuckerberg Funded Plot to Defeat uh, Donald Trump, remember Mark Zuckerberg is the owner of Facebook. Speaking of social media messing with the elections, Facebook did their share through the millions of dollars that Zuckerberg gave to um, various uh, areas in the country, big cities, uh, to defeat Donald Trump. Pretty much, that's what it was all about. So there is a new, um, uh, there's a new, um, yeah, a new video on this. It's called "Rigged: The Zuckerberg-Funded Plot to Defeat Donald Trump." But here's the deal: Directv refused to air advertising for that documentary. Uh, they've just refused. More censorship, and it's pretty distressing because a lot of people, a lot of you a lot of you listening probably use DirecTV. You can watch the film at rigged2020.com. Rigged2020.com. We'll put that on our getter account, rigged2020.com. But also, if you use DirecTV, you might want to... Uh, Tell them that that's not acceptable. Breitbart's written about this. We'll put this on our getter page, too. DirecTV reportedly refused to air advertising for rigged documentary. Okay, so there you go. That's at least some of the news for this morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast